0: Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning is part of our series. is actually kind of the conclusion of our series, I guess. Um, we've been talking about the plan of salvation and how important each part is and what it means to our salvation and why we do it. And today we're going to talk about remaining faithful that's part of the plan of salvation whether you think it is or not Um, we know what we must do to become Christians especially now that we've studied it we know what we need to do we know that we must have faith we must hear we must believe the gospel in order to do anything in regards to obedience and we also understand the importance of confessing that faith And why we do that? Certainly we're told in Scripture that we must confess that we believe Jesus Christ. And we believe Him to be the Son of God. Just as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, we confess His name. And we also understand that we must repent. We must change our lives in order to be faithful to God, in order to be Christians. We cannot live in the way that we once lived, in the ways of the world, and in the pleasures of it. We must be different than what we once were. And we must be baptized for the remission of our sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter told the crowd what they must do to be saved when they asked. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And it's not until after we are baptized that we have remission of sins, but it doesn't end there there's a song that we sing on occasion oh why not tonight and I'm not particularly fond of the final verse of that because at the end of the final verse it says now the work is done I don't agree with that I don't think that the work is done once we have become Christians by any means but we are taught in Scripture that we must remain faithful. And really, I believe personally that once we have become Christians, that's when the work has only started. The work has only begun. As we look at this lesson today, we are talking about remaining faithful to God. Once we have become Christians... We've done those things we must do to be in Christ. But it's not enough to be in Christ. We must also remain in Christ. As we study the Bible, we notice that there are many examples of people being commended for their faithfulness to God. And likewise, Christians today are also encouraged to live a life of faithful service. What we're going to look at in this lesson today, from the Scriptures, we're going to notice, first of all, how faithfulness is defined. It's hard to be faithful if you don't know what faithfulness is. We're also going to look at several examples of faithful men and women throughout Scripture and what they did in order to be faithful and be seen as faithful in the eyes of God. And we're also going to look at our reward for living faithfully. See, we don't just live faithfully, but we're rewarded for it in the end. And that's important for us to understand as well. Let's get right into our lesson. What is faithfulness? What is faithfulness? First of all, let's look at the root word of faithfulness. Let's ask the question, what is faith? And we've already answered it in one of our previous lessons. Let's go back to it for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 gives probably the single best description and definition of faith in the Bible. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for." The evidence of things not seen. Faith is used twice in Scripture as the opposite of sight. Once as we have seen above. And the evidence of things not seen. And another passage in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Paul in that letter says, For we walk by faith. Not by sight. Remaining faithful is continuing in this faith in God. Merriam-Webster Dictionary provides three definitions that apply to our subject today on faithfulness. One, full of faith. Number two, steadfast in affection or allegiance. And number three, firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty. Now spiritually speaking, as we look at faithfulness, we understand it to be a loyalty to God and His Word. Putting faith or trust confidently in the power of God. And we can have great confidence in God. But it's something that we must put effort into as well. Now we ask, is faithfulness required of us? Now this is something that is disputed across different denominations. And different beliefs and teachings. There are some religions that teach a once saved, always saved salvation. And you've probably heard of that. And the basic belief of once saved, always saved is once you have become a Christian you can't do anything no matter how badly you live your life. You cannot do anything to be outside of Christ. And some turn that around a little bit to say that that if you do something contrary to God's word, if you live a life that is not faithful to Him, then you were never a Christian in the first place. But as we look at what the Bible teaches, and it's important that we look at what the Bible teaches, it doesn't matter what I say or what someone else says, what's important is what the Bible says. So that's what we have to go by. What does the Bible teach about faithfulness? Is it required of us? As we look at what the Bible says, we see that one can fall. As a matter of fact, we're encouraged in Scripture not to fall. Peter taught us to be steadfast so that we do not fall away. Notice what is said in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 14 and reading through verse 18. 2 Peter 3, 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace. Without spot and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand which untaught An unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You therefore, verse 17, Beloved, since you know this beforehand, notice what he says here, Beware, beware lest you also fall From your own steadfastness. Being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I understand Peter to be talking about people that were once in Christ. They were once steadfast. They were once immovable. They were once what they needed to be as Christians. Now he's telling them, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. As you are centered in Christ, as you are firmly founded in his word, beware lest you fall away. That's what Peter's talking about. Why would he warn Christians not to fall away if it was impossible for them to fall away? We also learn from Scripture that some did fall away. Notice what is said in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 and in verses 4 and 7. Galatians 5 verse 4 says, You have become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the true? They were once steadfast and immovable. They were once in Christ. They were once faithful Christian. But now they've become estranged from Christ. They once ran well, but now they've been hindered in their obedience and faithfulness. You see... What we learn from Scripture is that salvation is not a one-and-done deal, but a continuous process of maturing and growing in God's favor. Growing in His Word, growing in our knowledge, growing in His grace. That's what we're talking about. You see, we must remain faithful to God. Now let's notice also faithfulness learned by example. You see, some of the best teachings that I find are those that are examples to me. You know, when I look at people that I know, the ones that I respect most are the ones that live a good life, that that do good things, I can look up to them, I can see their example and I can desire to follow it. Well it's the same way with scripture because we have many different examples throughout the Bible of people that have been faithful. Great examples of faithfulness that we can learn from. I want us to pay some some very close attention to those examples. Let's remember faith and faithfulness are not necessarily the same thing. You know, one can have faith without being faithful. Faith is believing in God, His Word, and His promises. And there are many people in the world that have faith. They believe in God. They believe in His Word. They believe it to be truth. And they believe in the promises that He has given. But we can have faith Faith and not live a faithful life. One can believe in God but not live according to His standards. So faith and faithfulness are not exactly the same thing. One can have faith and still not be faithful. One can believe in God and still refuse to do the things that He has said. Faithfulness is something that we see evidenced in the lives of Christians. Faithfulness is something that we see evidenced in the lives of those who served God in the past. Those in Scripture that were faithful. Certain individuals of the Bible that were faithful, we can use those as examples to learn what we need to be ourselves. Let's turn our attention first to Abraham. You know, Abraham was, when he was told to leave his home, he did that. In Genesis chapter 12, he was obedient to God in leaving his home. When God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22, 22 he was faithful to that. He did exactly what God said. He was obedient to God, and that showed him to be a faithful individual. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they were faithful as well. When tempted to poison their bodies with the worldly delicacies of the king, and Daniel won, they refused. They asked for exception. And they were shown to be better in appearance than any of the other men that were there. Any of the other, other men that, that were served these worldly delicacies. They were shown to be fairer in appearance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in regard to their worship of only God, even when thrown in the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3, they still remained faithful. They didn't err from God's word not one little bit. Even when their lives were threatened, they were faithful. Daniel himself, in praying to God regularly, though a decree had been made against it, facing potential death in the lion's den was also faithful, as we read in Daniel chapter 6. These men were faithful to God, and they show us what faithfulness is. There were many Christians throughout the New Testament who were often threatened and beaten and imprisoned for their faithfulness to God. Think of John the baptizer who was beheaded. Think of the apostles minus Judas Iscariot, obviously, who, as we understand from history and what we believe from history, all but one of the apostles were killed and martyred for their faith. That's faithfulness. That's what we learn about faithfulness from the Bible. But you know there's an example that's even better than Abraham or Moses or Jacob or Daniel and his friends or any of the prophets that we read of, there's an example that's even better than the example of the apostles. See, the greatest example of faithfulness is God. And here I meant to ask you to lead another song too. There's a a song that comes along with that idea. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness unto me God throughout scripture and throughout time showed his faithfulness to man let's go back to Abraham Abraham was given promises by God that God kept promise number one was that he would become a great nation of people that all the families of the earth would be blessed and the land of Canaan would belong to his descendants. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Genesis 12, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Skip to the end of verse 5. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. As far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And in verse 7 it says that the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants. I will give this land. This promise was fulfilled as Israel became great in Egyptian bondage even. Taking the land of Canaan later and eventually in the United Kingdom under the kings of Saul and David and Solomon, we see that Israel became a great nation of people. God was faithful to His promise to Abraham. He also told him that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And they were. Because all families of earth have been blessed through the coming of Christ who sacrificed His life for the sins of all those who are faithful to God. Those of the Old Testament, those of the New Testament, all families of the the earth, even today, even our families today are blessed with the gift of Christ who sacrificed His life for us, did God keep His promise to Abraham? Yes, He did. And Abraham's descendants were, in fact, given the land of Canaan. Look at Joshua 24 and verse 13. Joshua 24 verse 13 says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 7 and 8. Nehemiah 9 and verse 7. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants, you have performed your words, for you are righteous. God was faithful to his promises to Abraham. Promise number two is that they would be strangers in a land that was not theirs for 400 years And they would leave with great possessions. Look at Genesis 15, verses 13 through 16. Genesis 15 and verse 13. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possession. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. They were, in fact, strangers in the land of Egypt for 430 years. Exodus 12 and verse 40 Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. Secondly, they left with an abundance of wealth, Exodus 12, verses 35 through 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Promise number three given to Abraham was that he would be granted a son in his old age. Genesis 18 and verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. It was fulfilled in Genesis 21 verses 1 through 3. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him. Whom Sarah bore to him Isaac. God was faithful to his promises to Abraham. And that's just one example. We learn in the Bible that God cannot lie. Look with me at Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Titus 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, And the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. In hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching. Which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now. Because God cannot lie, we know His Word to be truth. In Jesus' prayer to God in John chapter 17, and in verse 17, He says, Sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. God's Word is truth, always and forever. We can always trust God's promises to be truth. The promises that He made in the past and fulfilled, we understand His faithfulness through them. And the promises that He has made to us that are yet to be fulfilled, we can have faith that He will keep them. Faithfulness is not all there is to this life because we understand that at the end that we will be rewarded. So let's look briefly at our reward for faithfulness. Our reward, of course, gives us purpose. But our reward is based on our faithfulness to God. If we are not faithful to Him, then there's no reward for that. Notice what it said in Revelation chapter 22 in verse 7 and also verse 14. Revelation 22 in verse 7 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And in verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, And may enter through the gates into the city. Blessed is he who keeps the prophecy, the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed are those who do his commandments. That's faithfulness. And the only way that we we will be rewarded in eternity is through our faithfulness to God. What is our reward? Our reward is eternal life. Speaking of the righteousness or the righteous judgment of God, in Romans chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7, it says, Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good. Seek for glory, honor, and immortality. We understand that eternal life is promised to us by God. Going back to Titus chapter 1. Notice in particular what is said in verse 2. In hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God has promised us eternal life. And we will receive eternal life if we are faithful to Him. If we do His commandments. If we keep the things that we are told to do in His Word. And we are told a little bit about our reward in the New Testament. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. There's a version of the scriptures that says that in my Father's house are many rooms. And if we were looking at this from a worldly point of view, that would be correct. And to be Englishly correct, that would be the same way. But I think there's something to be said about this word mansion. There's not just going to be a small place prepared for us. It's not going to be of insignificant value in any way. It's something great. It's something wonderful. And that word mansions tells us a little bit about what heaven will be like. Just as we would imagine a mansion here on earth. It's going to be wonderful. It's definitely a place that we want to go. And we know that Jesus has said that He has gone to prepare it for us. It's not just a place that randomly exists. It's being prepared for us even now. Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 through 5 tells us a little bit more. About this heavenly inheritance. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying. Behold the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. We will dwell with God. Can you imagine that? God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Have you inherited someone's clothing or toys or something in the past? Have you inherited something from someone that was used Something that maybe, not, maybe it didn't last very long because it was so used. No, what we're going to inherit in heaven is not used by any means. See, what we inherit in heaven its brand spanking new. The best of the best that we could ever imagine that we could ever receive. It's something that will never decay. It will never rust. It will never be stolen from us. Something that is ours for the keeping. We want to be with God in eternity. But we have to know the way. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through (coughs) me. Except we be born again, except we by obedience are baptized for the remission of our sins. Except we be in Christ's We cannot be with God. The only way is through Christ. The only way is by being a Christian. Not just by becoming a Christian. But by remaining a faithful Christian. We all want the inheritance that is promised to us. If you didn't want it, you wouldn't be here. I I firmly believe that. But it's not just going to happen. It's not something that just is. It's something that we have to do something not to earn it, not to merit it in any way, but we have to be obedient in order to receive it. Why? Because that's what God told us. That's what He tells us in His Word. Remain faithful. We must remain faithful. So if you're not a Christian, the inheritance is not yours. It's something that you have to do something for. Again, hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, being baptized for the remission of sins, that's what we're told to do in God's Word. Maybe it is that you've not remained faithful. Maybe you need to return to God. Rededicate your life to Him. Ask for prayers on your behalf. Maybe you realize that your life has become a mess of sorts. Something that you cannot take care of yourself. Something that you need help with. And we always offer the opportunity, and we offer the opportunity today. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, it's open to you. You'll come as we stand and as we sing.